So I got my man uh, Dalton Cates in the district today. How you doing, Dalton? Doing great. Always good to join you over here. Uh, we love it. We send you some questions, and then uh, like ten minutes before the show starts, we get a, a trade. So we got a, we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. I'm actually really excited. I've never done a show in which there's been like a big trade or news beforehand. So this will this will be a fun little first. This is your your breaking news moment. It's breaking <laughs> right? news in the district. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, fought the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. So Delton, a lot has changed uh, since we talked to each other. We talked to each other last, um, right before the season, and it's just been it's just been a wild one. Why don't you start out and tell people kind of the work you're putting out this year and where they can find your stuff? Yeah, hundred percent. So a lot of my work right now um, is betting related on stealing lines. So you can find me there. I'm putting out props as well. I'm working with Ben Grinch in tandem there. He does a lot of sides and totals. I'm putting out a lot of player props each week and a lot of weekly specials. So we've been doing that. I'm still doing some stuff with Mojo. So putting out some articles on there as well. So that's really where all my work is right now, currently for the time being. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so we, we are both, we both like Kadarius Tony. I'm, I'm guessing you drafted him, you know, this summer. I know I drafted him a few times and I have him on a number of dynasty teams. Were you ever losing hope until a few minutes ago? Yeah, for sure. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. It was, it was like, it was like, uh, it, it was like really, really testing like the, your faith in a player at times. Um, I mean, I, I feel really bad for the people who cut him. If anybody tuning in right now did not see the Kansas City Chiefs traded a third rounder and a sixth rounder to the Giants to get Tony. It's a massive trade. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share a couple of just initial takeaways. I saw somebody, a big blue check mark with like 90,000 followers saying that maybe they view him as their punt returner. I think that's probably the craziest take I've seen. You don't need to trade a, a third round pick to get a punt returner. Unless it's like Devin Hester in his prime, you're not doing that. And the fact that it was a third rounder and a sixth rounder makes me think that the the Chiefs like they could have gotten a number of these. You could have gone and, and gotten Brandon Cooks for a lot less than this. Let's put it like that. Uh, this is a third and a sixth is is pretty top draft capital we'll give to a guy. I also think the fact that the Chiefs did this during their bye week is like 
incredibly sharp because you get a chance for Tony to get there, learn a little bit of the system. The the injuries are going to go away in about 30 seconds. Um, what's your what's your initial thoughts? Yeah, so whenever I see a trade like this for a player who is either disgruntled, young, um, or even just like an older player, regardless, I want to see what a team is giving up in order to get them. And getting a, I mean, trading a third round pick and a six round pick definitely caught my eye because it shows that the team actually values him enough to like potentially utilize him in a way in which. Like if, for example, someone like the Jets trading a six rounder for Robinson, like I don't think too much about that just because I'm like, okay, six rounder is like basically like a throwaway pick. But third round pick is day two. We see a lot of day two stars um, come from the third round. So um, that to me is really intriguing. And the thing about Tony is we've seen those flashes before. And I think this, you know, if assuming he's healthy and he gets back on the field, especially with his bye week here, like, I mean, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And and you can use him as a rusher too, which I think that you saw like last game when they beat the hell out of the 49ers. Um, they used McCole Hardman a little bit in that role. Like Tony's when he's healthy, he can really, really do that. So uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. Um, if you've been holding Tony, like I see a couple of these takes now. It's you know, I'm not happy about this because it's such a crowded situation over there. But mm-hmm. how about you know, I don't know what your initial reaction is with that, but anytime you get a guy like this getting attached to an elite quarterback, I, I don't care if there's Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey and all that. Like, I think that your potential for boom weeks goes up, um, and it's certainly a it's certainly a better day today, you know, for him to get out of town to a place that you know wants to use him than than it was a couple hours ago. I don't know. I, I think that people are kind of tepid with their reactions. Um, what's your reaction? Forget Dynasty. What's your reaction for rest of season with Kadarius Tony? He's a good speculation. And I think there's just still this wide range of outcomes that we can see from him. I'm trying to think of many times in which a young player in like their second or third year who was a high draft pick and then got traded was successful with another team like i i don't recall off the top of my head and i'm sure there are cases in which it has happened so keeping that in mind like my expectations are definitely like in check of understanding that you know if a team drafts you in the first round i know this regime didn't necessarily draft him but he's a first round talent in the nfl and a team has them on their team and they have no wide receivers and then they feel comfortable trading away. There's always something in the back of my head is, is there something going on behind the scenes? And I heard, you know, maybe there's reports of some attitude issues and whatnot. So that's always something to keep in mind when it comes to why is a team giving up on a player already? Um, and I always consider that Mary Dracos because I'm like, there's potential that this, that he actually doesn't do anything with the chiefs, you know, but there's also, we've seen the on the field talent. We've seen those blow up games from a rookie. Like he, I think what, it was 190 plus yards in like his the Dallas game. I mean, anybody, game. Like, that's unheard of for a rookie. So he's shown the on the field talent that when he's on the field, he can command targets at a very high rate and being in this chief's offense in which we've seen some flashes from Juju and um, Kelsey's the main guy there, but there's definitely room for somebody else to step in and you know you know help help this chief's offense and tony can definitely do that but um i'm definitely picking up everywhere with the speculation but um i think i'm gonna give it a few weeks probably to like week 10 week 11 see if he gets a playing time see if they're actually utilizing him like we hope 
and then from there make my rest of season decision. So shout out to the to ML in the chat. Um, Eleven drops of Kadarius Tony last night in, in main events. So that was uh, definitely tough news if you dropped him last night, and then you see this a few hours later. That's uh, that's very tilting. Uh, and then there was also twelve ads of Kadarius Tony last night. Three hundred eight teams own him. Um, he's still available in twenty five leagues. It's going to be very interesting to see. Um, the amount of, of fab money used on him in this next run. Now I'm not sure if ML stat includes the teams that cut him. So if you cut him last night in that league, he wouldn't be available, but if he happened to, I don't see how he could have passed through waivers, but if he did pass through waivers, uh, he could be sitting there, you know, in that second waiver wire run, it will be yeah. incredibly interesting. What does this do for you in your perspective? Now let's, let's put on our dynasty hats. What does this do for you in your perception of sky Moore? He seems to be the biggest loser here, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think Sky Moore, just for him to not slowly start to crack more playing time, I think was a little bit concerning. And I'm not like a, a film grinder by any means. But when I was watching him, um, I would say there is I had some concerns. Like he didn't necessarily stand out to me as somebody that was separating a ton. Like even in the preseason, it just seemed like he's somebody that is very refined, can be productive, can command targets, but I don't know the way the way the way my comp was coming out was almost like a Christian Kirk, where I don't know if he had this really massive upside. Like I think he fits more in the mold of like a wide receiver too in the league, and um, I wouldn't say it's concerning, but it's definitely like I mean, if you're a second round pick, you're young. And you have guys like Michael Hardman and Marcus Valdez Scantling ahead of you, and you're still the fourth option um, at this point in the season. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. And then you trade for Kadarius Tony. It's like, okay, like, all right, like, what's going on here? Like, I've been down this road before when it comes to guys like Terrace Marshall and and some of these some of these second second round wide receivers who we still have hope for and we still think are going to be good, but. Um, we usually can get a good idea from the rookie seasons and how they're trending of, of how it's going to play out for the rest of their career. So I definitely am like concerned enough about Sky Moore right now to where um, I'm not as high as I personally was heading into the year and him coming out um, as, as a prospect for his career. Yeah. And I think if you were holding Sky Moore, uh, I think the, the first reaction redraft wise is I can cut him. Uh, at least in redraft, he's there's no reason to keep Sky Moore now. Um, you know, if Juju gets announced out, you know, and over the bye week gets hurt or something, then maybe, maybe, maybe. But I don't see it, especially with the way Mikol played last game. I don't think they're going to completely dust Mikol Hardman. Um, but yeah. I think it could be a little bit of a bridge until Tony gets acclimated. So uh, it's super interesting. Uh, how did you do in waivers last night? Did you add anybody in particular? Um, Deshaun, um, some of my pits teams, I definitely knew the tight end. So like Kate Otten, if Juwan Johnson was somehow available, I tried scooping him up. Um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, I've, I've kind of struggled on waivers this year just to find like talent. Like I feel like it's been really hard to find players. Whereas lat like previous years, like early on in the season, there's some guys that are pretty easy to identify some hammers and, I don't know. It just feels like we're waiting for something to happen, but it's not going to happen. And it's just a weird year in fantasy to where, I don't know, like my, my, I still have all my, most of my budget. I have like 
70 to 75 percent in most of my leagues which i'm trying to find a way to spend it but i just don't know where to kind of put my chips right now it's definitely a it's definitely a, a very weird season for for waivers um you know we haven't seen that many guys that are that are very impactful uh, like you i also added juan johnson it, it was kind of funny i i got juan johnson for super cheap in a bunch of these leagues even ffpc mm-hmm. uh, he was nobody really was paying a lot uh, but he kind of has a clear path. I added some Harrison Bryant, which I, I like him when when Najoku's yeah, out. Like uh, but yeah, you saw like I added a few Jamichael Hasty shares because to mm-hmm. me he's the handcuff. We might as well start with that. Uh, you mentioned the James Robinson trade earlier. Let's start out with Jacksonville. Is ET? We can keep it short. Is Etienne an RB one for you rest of the season? Um, yeah, borderline. Yeah, for sure. I think he's like a low end RB one. I think he has for to be. Me, for me as well. And then if you were prioritizing a handcuff for him, are you looking at Snoop Connor or do you prefer Hasty? Because we get kind of dissenting opinions on this. Um, man, I don't have a strong take. I would say I would say Hasty just because I tend to lean uh, in a scenario which ETN goes out, like Hasty's been in the league longer. I think that he's somebody I would target. Like we've seen him be somewhat productive, but I don't. I think. I think if Etienne goes down, I don't think. I think it's almost like a Carolina Panthers situation where it's going to be split backfield. Deontay Foreman, Chuba. Um, that's that's the way I kind of view it. So it's again, it's like if something goes down, it's like it's not. I'm unloading my fab on either of those guys. Just like I prefer Hasty and. Yeah, I like Hasty. I mean, we've seen Hasty have success as a pass catcher. Uh, Connor's the bigger back. Uh, now, how about the the opposite side of that trade? What are your expectations for the way the Jets' backfield is going to shake out? It's, uh, I mean, we don't need to go over the Brees Hall news that's been been beaten to death this week, and it's also a little depressing. So how are we looking at the Jets moving forward with Michael Carter, James Robinson, and then if you have any words on Ty Johnson? Yeah, I mean, I think Ty Johnson, that trade said a lot about him. Um, yeah. I think it also said something about Michael Carter, and I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing. I think it's just more of a philosophical view on Michael Carter, and they just I just don't think they view him as a workhorse. Um, I think that's what it comes down to is we've seen Michael Carter be productive in a role in which he was a starter last year. Uh, he's been productive for stretches this year. Brees Hall's just so much better, so naturally Carter got kicked to the wayside a little bit, but – if I'd prefer one of those guys, um, definitely Carter. Um, they only give a six-round pick for Robinson. Robinson, like, weirdly hasn't been as good as the stats suggest. Like, he had a couple big runs early on in the year, but he's still, like, getting stuffed um, at, at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage at one of the highest rates in the league. Um, he's and, kind of a young plotter, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he's not the same James Robinson we saw in the past, and um, I think the Achilles is, like, a legitimate thing, and – I think Robinson, one thing that he's going to bring to the Jets is he's a proven workhorse who can command touches and um, carry a workload. But I, I don't know how much value there is for him. I think there's a lot of interesting things with Carters because we've seen Brees Hall and the pass catchers in general with the Jets get utilized in their receiving game a lot. So now that should open up more doors for Carter to be involved in that. We saw him in college just be a really good pass catcher. Um, we saw him last year get involved as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty bullish on Carter over Robinson for sure. Shout out to Harry Snowman. They're using uh, Robinson to go through the next six games. It's brutal. They don't want to um, 
to spend Carter in those games, look at the upcoming games, brutal. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good take. And I, I like Michael Carter. Um, he would be the one that I would prefer to have. I've seen some smart people on kind of both sides of this coin. So you you would rather roster Carter for the yeah, rest of the season sure. um, pretty clearly. Yeah. Me too. Um, but I have seen some people on the Robinson side that I respect. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm with you. I think Carter's just a little more dynamic. Uh, Robinson to me is a very tough player. He understands how to run the football. He's he's going to hit the hole correctly. But I, I think you nailed it. I think he doesn't look the same as he did as a rookie. Yeah. The injuries have kind of piled up. and But I, I think that the Jets are kind of committed to this style they were really, really, um, you know, leaning on, leaning on uh, Brees Hall, dynamic, dynamic talent. It'll be interesting to see if they can, if they can stick, stick to this kind of with the stubborn approach because our guy Elijah Moore is now kind of uh, we brought I brought this up um, the other night, like it's kind of a perfect storm, uh, yeah. and people quickly corrected me and said it's a perfect storm for Michael Carter. I, I think it could be a perfect storm for Elijah Moore because you've the Corey Davis injury, you have the loss of Brees Hall. Like, unless you are planning on winning games 14-10, you've, you've got to consider getting Elijah Moore back in, 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 at least in the offensive flow. I know that's your guy and a guy I was really into as well. It's been incredibly disappointing. Uh, do, you, do you see this as a potential bounce back for Elijah? I hope so, man. I'm like – I mean, I think – I don't know if I've been more confused about the expectations of a player and seeing what a player has done as a prospect and seeing what they did as a rookie and commanding the targets. And then just everything completely shifting. Like he's on the field for all the snaps. He's running all the routes there, but he's not commanding targets whatsoever. And they're using him as a deep threat. And it's like, like what what do you expect out of Elijah Moore? Like, yes, he can do that, but he shouldn't be just this field stretcher. Like you should be, you know, peppering with targets in the middle of the field, allowing him to use his yards after catchability. Like he can separate, like he can get open. He's really good against zone. Like, I just don't understand why they've hyped him up and cam both in both in his rookie and his sophomore year. Like to the, where coaches and all all the coaches hyped him and the beat reporters hyped him. Yeah. It was like yeah. universal hype basically just all saying, okay, this guy's going to be star, but I just don't know. I think there's just a disconnect and it's clear. Like how often do we see a second year wide receiver request a trade? Like, like I, that doesn't happen. Like that, that does not happen. And um, I still think he has the talent for sure, but I think we have to look at the sample of what we got from him this year, at least be like somewhat concerned. And I don't know the reason for it. I literally like, a lot of times I can go back and then from hindsight, I can give reasons for why things are happening. Elijah Moore, I, I still have no answer. Like I legitimately do not know what the heck happened, what the heck's going on. So I'm just like, I wish I could give a better, more clear, precise take of how I feel about it. But the thing is like, I literally do not know. And I'm just sitting here and I'm just waiting to see what happens with it. And I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, maybe this trade kind of forces their hand a little bit because they basically said they're not trading him. Like you're too good not to get traded. So maybe they're like, okay, like if we want to keep him happy and we're not going to trade him, like we should probably find a way to utilize him. So that's my hope. But is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't think Zach Wilson's good. I think they've won. They're five and two right now. They've shown that they can win um, games running the ball. And 
I, I, I don't, I just, I don't know how, where the upside is for Elijah. I don't, I don't know if you have any like different thoughts or anything. No, I, th I, I think that it's this week is going to be very telling because they've, they make the move for Robinson. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get much work this week um, because he's brand new to the team. They're playing a home game against a rival team with a good defense. And then we can go ahead and look at shout out to Joe Carlton, Harry Snowman. The chat is lit. ML. Uh, great joke from ML, my man from Germany. They're doing a great job of protecting Elijah Moore by not giving the ball. Very good one, ML. It, we'll, we'll laugh so we don't cry about our Elijah Moore shares. Um, and then Harry Snowman breaking down the schedule. Like the Jets have the the Patriots, the Bills, the Patriots, the Bears, the Vikings, and then the Bills. That is a tough, tough schedule. Um, there's no you know easy win on, on that entire schedule. So I think that the Robinson trade indicates to me that they are going for it. They're trying to make the playoffs because uh, I don't think they would have gone and traded for somebody if they didn't think that. So they, I think that they this weekend is going to be really telling for Elijah Moore. And if he's a late scratch again, then I think that means he's getting traded. Um, and I know that they, they've said that they won't trade him, but right now he's back. He's listed as healthy. I would expect him to be on the field a lot and active in the in the game plan. But for whatever reason, yeah. if we find out some crazy thing, then it makes me want to trade for him more in Dynasty if they make him inactive. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He's, I mean, they they said he's gonna play, but this this schedule is not good. My biggest concern with him was even with this Corey Davis injury. I'm not sure how much changes because he was already running like all the routes. Like last yeah. last his last week he played, he wasn't running as much, and I don't know if that's where like the rift started and they kind of an effort thing. I don't know if he is, I don't know exactly what went on the last week, but other than that, he's been running like all the routes. And he's not getting targeted. So maybe a couple targets go his way now, but I mean, his playing time, I'm not sure is really going to change with Davis out. Um, maybe the role changes. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the, I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. It's, it, it is, it's this, the, you know, the, the Kyle Pitts and Elijah Moore's it's just, it's, it, they're very frustrating situations. Um, and I think it's it's difficult when you're on a guy during the summer and it just doesn't work out. And yeah. it's it's not like Elijah Moore didn't play last year at all. And you're hoping for like a DJ Shark year two bounce back because you liked him as a prospect. Yeah. Like you saw him ball out. Yeah. And it's it's just hard to um imagine this. And yeah, I don't think I think Zach Wilson is limited. And I think they the I think that but I do think that the Brees Hall thing kind of changes things. So who knows? Yeah. Tonight's game is interesting. You've got Tampa Bay and Baltimore. Yeah, we've seen the Ra the Ravens fail to score more than twenty three points any time in their last four games. Yeah, Lamar's production's also fallen off a little bit. Um, what are your expectations for the Ravens um, and this offense moving forward? Um, I think I think they'll be fine. I mean, when you got Lamar, you got Andrews. And you've got, I mean, Bateman hopefully coming back. I mean, I don't even know if Bateman or Andrews are going to play tonight, to be honest. But I think, I think long term, it's one of those things where, and this is how I feel about a lot of players, is that when we have a big sample of of players and offenses performing at high levels over multiple seasons, and they have a rough stretch um, at some points during like another season like i just i don't really like look into it too much like that happens like it's football like like quarterbacks i mean you remember last year like like patrick mahomes had i mean his first like what was it six seven games people were wondering oh like is he even like the same court it's like no it's still patrick mahomes like it's gonna happen and like it, it, it happens it happens every single year so i'm not like too worried i think both of these offenses in particular are going to be fine in the long run 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's my that's my kind of overarching take on both these guys or both these teams. From what and they just looking at the Ravens, Gus Edwards had a big game last week. Yeah. Um, he was still in a split backfield in terms of you know snap share uh, and in touches, but he was extremely productive. Yeah. What are your expectations on Gus kind of moving forward? Do you think that that he is an RB two, or do you think he's more of like an RB three? That I'm um, like low in RB two. I'm actually pretty excited about him. Um, and the reason being was we've seen him like actually be good and productive in the past. I mean, if I know Kenyon Drake <laughs> saw 11 carries, but he was not like productive. He had five yards on those, and Gus Edwards saw 16 carries. And the thing is, when Gus Edwards on the field, they ran the ball. He played 18 snaps, and he saw 16 rushing attempts in the in the running game. So um, they're looking to utilize him. Um, I think Edwards is the closest thing we're going to get to like an actual running back that fits the Ravens style this year. I have concerns that Dobbins is even going to play this year. Like there was kind of some underlying four to six six weeks. I mean, the fact that it was like a big setback, one of my, one of my good friends is close to the Ravens and, and they, they thought that it was going to be questionable that he would play this Sunday. And then all of a sudden he goes to the IR. So I think that this is, he can't stay on the field. I think that Dobbins, it's, it's just extremely unfortunate. Yeah. It might, might just be a lost season for Dobbins, but Anytime you have somebody like Edwards, right, who we know has been productive and been efficient for multiple seasons in the NFL, and he's coming off an injury and right off the bat is getting 16 carries, like, that's promising. And we know somebody like Edwards is not going to catch the ball. Um, but, like, I don't see why we can't view him as that low-end RB2. He should be getting goal line work. Like, And I also think based off of his first game back, there's room for – his role to actually grow in the own backfield and command more percentage of the running back carries in the backfield. So I, I, I'm pretty excited. I think, I think if you got Gus Edwards off waivers, um, you got to be pretty excited as a plug and play low end RB two during the bye weeks, especially for like zero RB teams. I think he's definitely like one of those running backs that should be getting touchdowns, should be getting carries, get you 12, 15 points a game. If he gets two touchdowns, like he, like he did last week, like great. Perfect. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely uh shout out to Dan Williamson. Um Harbaugh loves Gus hundred mm-hmm. percent. And uh yeah. and Gus never ever loses yardage on any run. You never see mm-hmm. Gus get like a three yard loss. Yeah. He's he he's a very, very um reliable guy. He doesn't fumble, exactly. he doesn't lose yardage. He's like, yeah, that's a, definitely a Harbaugh favorite. I mean, you think about when Gus came out, nobody knew who he was from Rutgers. And Harbaugh made him a thing. He was a huge waiver wire ad. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's interesting. Tampa Bay's missing so many guys tonight. Like they have all these guys out and injured. Uh, they could be looking at a three-game uh, losing stretch. They lost to Carolina, and it was bad. Mike Evans drops the long touchdown pass. They, they could not run the ball. Fournette looks like like he's he's reeling a little bit, and they're having all kinds of issues. Do you think that this is a well? Let's let's put it like this: Are you buying the Bucks' offense, or are you? Do you think that this is going to continue to be an issue? Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you wanted to pinpoint con- some concerns, you you definitely could. But I th- I think overall they have good weapons. You still have 
Tom Brady there. I think one thing that is going under the radar as a potential storyline this year was Arians leaving and Bulls being the new coach and Leftwich's offense being installed a little more. Like that's I don't know how much I literally have no idea like behind the scenes of how much schematically things change, but it seems like there's this mindset shift at least when it comes like fourth down decisions like they haven't been as aggressive as prior so like it leads me to believe that you know maybe there was some more shifting and maneuvering within the offense and and schematic things also like godwin getting hurt his first game like they came in with the expectation that was going to be like julio evans godwin and then godwin gets hurt and he's out for a few games and julio like hasn't barely done anything since he's been on the field and like they also had injuries to like um offensive linemen and Russell Gage has been in the lineup. So it's like so many moving parts right now to where, uh, I mean, look, if there's anybody that I don't want to bet against, it's Tom Brady. And they also have really good weapons in this offense. Like I understand why they've been slow and they've been one of the most disappointing teams. I think Vegas had it as like since like 2000 implied point totals and the expectation and what they've actually done. They have the third lowest since like 2000 or something, the Bucks have so far this year. So like they've underperformed like almost at a historic level um, so far this year, but I don't know. It's, it's still, it's still a long season. They have good weapons there. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on, on the Bucks to be honest. I think it's actually a good time to buy a lot of these, a lot of these players. Rest of season. Would you rather roster Chris Godwin or Mike Evans? Godwin. He's just getting targeted at a higher rate. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm Godwin as well. I think it's it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, you know, they both they both have potential injury concerns. Obviously, Godwin might, is a guy who's missed more games over the years. But, uh, yeah, I would go Godwin as well. And then how about, you know, if you needed a flex tonight, do, are you putting Rashad White in your flex? His his playing time is, is ticking up. It seems like it's kind of a sneaky game for him on this short week. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love your guy, Dalton. That's you're, your guy. Ta- you're talking to the right guy here for that. Um, I do have some some slight concerns, and I wonder if his snap share going up last week was they were down 18 points. They knew they had a Thursday night game, and they just wanted to maybe save Fournette a little bit. I don't know. I don't know how much that matters, but I think that's an angle that potentially has to be considered. I do like White. Um, the Ravens run D's bottom 10 in the league. They're good pass T. This could be a spot for Rashad White, but I'm not sure if I'm there just yet with the confident start for Rashad White. Just yet. We saw a changing of the guard in Indianapolis. Um, another guy that, you know, obviously it's not, it's not like groundbreaking stuff when Dalton and I share how much we like Jonathan Taylor. You know, it doesn't make us unique to the fantasy community at all. But it is a guy that I would say we were both bullish on last year mm-hmm. when he was going slightly lower. This year he was going at the 101 or the 102. Mm-hmm. So far, not so good for those teams. Uh, you know, some of them are kind of hanging on, but you don't really see too many five and two Jonathan Taylor teams right now, let alone six and one type teams. Yeah. What are your expectations for Sam Ellinger in Indianapolis? Not necessarily ellinger himself but what he does to the offense stylistically and maybe his effect on their skill position players yeah we've seen running quarterbacks actually or scramblers kind of open up the run game for the running backs and they tend to be a little more efficient so i think it in a vacuum it's probably a good thing that they have a mobile quarterback that 
the defense has to, you know, use that extra man to kind of, you know, follow Ellinger around and make sure he's scrambling and that, that can ease some tension off Jonathan Taylor. So I think, I think we've seen the worst from Jonathan Taylor this year. I think regardless whether it was Ryan or Ellinger in there, um, I think he would have much better days ahead. He's just too good of a talent for um, that not to shine at some point this year. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was overall a, a weird move. Like it, I was not expecting Matt Ryan veteran quarterback in the league for this long. They traded a third round pick for him. And then same Ellinger is like, he's not like this heralded like backup quarterback or like anybody who's waiting in the wings. Right. And then they just out of nowhere, like this kind of happens. And like Matt Ryan two games ago, like 389 yards, yeah. three touchdowns, no picks. So um, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was like a really interesting, that was one of the more shocking, like, I also, I also thought it was a little I thought it was a little weird because they have Nick Foles as well and maybe yeah. give Nick Foles a game right. and you wouldn't have to change stuff up but I don't know I think it's it's all about the run game and I think that like you said the scrambling quarterback aspect could maybe mm-hmm. unleash Taylor um I it, I'm I'm interested in it I, I'm not so interested to to watch Taylor Heineke versus Sam Ellinger in a full game um but I'll, I'll be on red zone anyway and uh, yeah. maybe maybe I'll watch the NFL Plus uh, replay of that one, but that could be that could be a game you stream the court the uh, defenses. But I do think there's something about the like if I had a super flex league, I would be fine throwing Ellinger in there because I yeah, do think sometimes sure. the newness of an offense um, could give teams problems, and and you know he can run the ball a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how hyped are you for Tony Pollard this weekend? Oh yeah, Always. top five play the play at the running back position this week. Yes. I mean, this is what we wait for, Tony Pollard. <laughs> this is why you draft him every single year is for this one week in which you can start him. And um, it's exciting, man. It's exciting. You got to be excited. He has a third three down workhorse profile. Um, he's efficient on his touches. Like he just encapsulates everything that you want in a running back who can score a lot of fantasy points, like good offense too. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a smash. He's a smash. This is why you get him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It's, I mean, any week that that Tony, let's put it like this: if if Tony Pollard got injured, I would add versus versus Zeke Elliott getting injured. Like if either one of those guys was by themselves for the week, mm-hmm. I'd have Pollard ranked higher than Zeke. I don't think it's a, it's even oh, close easy. to this point. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, Pollard splits when when Zeke is not there. He he smashes. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really it's a really good spot against Chicago and. Uh, Dallas is heading into the bye week the week after. So I think it's it's wheels up for, for Tony Pollard. Yeah. This is why you drafted him. And it's a great um, matchup, too. It's amazing. Going back to our previous one, are you streaming that commander defense this weekend against Indianapolis? Or are you um, Yeah. Um, biggest reason for that is commanders just get pressure at such a high rate. And for like a young quarterback like that, obviously a scrambling ability so he can maybe evade, you know, sacks a little better, but like they also young quarterbacks tend to, you know, stay in the pocket maybe a little too long and um, get sacked at a higher rate than some other guys. So I think, I think it's actually a really good matchup for a, for a stream for commanders. We have a question in the chat from earlier. Jackson Pullring says, should we flex Raheem Mostert, Chris Godwin, or Pollard? I mean, it, it, as much as I love Chris Godwin and, and Mostert to me is a top 15 running back this week, it's Pollard. Pollard, I yeah. would rather start Pollard this week than Chris Godwin. Uh, kind of says the thing is you got to make that decision soon because, but I think all indications look like Zeke's going to miss. Like, I think 
it's, Zeke's gonna miss. Yeah, yeah I think it's it like eighty-five percent chance he misses. So I would definitely lean got Eric Pollard there for sure. If they if they pull the fast one with us and they and they bring, <laughs> bring Dusty old Zeke back Dude. to like get the goal line touches and and you know take from Tony Pollard this week, it's just. I mean, why would you throw Zeke out there the week before a bye in a winnable game against Chicago? It it would be like a Jerry Jones type type uh, shakedown. Uh, if Being a Tony Pollard truther is one of the most exhausting things ever. Like we've gotten teased so many times with these potential injuries. Like we even saw Zeke. Like they they announced it like during the season he had like some sort of like patella issue, right? And it's like okay, like how's guy still playing? And Pollard continues to play better every single week, week in week out. Oh, we're gonna get Pollard more touches. Oh, we're gonna get Pollard more touches. No, nothing changes. And then this year, that you're saying that Zeke is probably going to miss. And I hope, like, for Pollard's sake, this is what happens. But I've been down this road. I've been hurt way too many times putting my guns out there for Tony Pollard. I just want to see him shine in a role and not be teased and actually see it for once. So I'll see it when I believe it. <laughs> we need, like, a 28-point Tony Pollard week where he just absolutely smashes and the yeah. Cowboys win by like 17, just mm-hmm. so the entire bye week we can have people arguing over, does Zeke get his full rollback? Is this the Pollard era starting? But then they're going to go back to Zeke. I mean, 100%. That's, I, ho- I hope not. I hope not. I mean, but I've just seen it too much. I'm like, I'm literally mentally fatigued from it. So I came into the season, like I drafted Pollard everywhere. He was one of my highest roster players over the last three years. And then this year, his naturally his ADP climbed a couple rounds, but like, I didn't draft as much Pollard this year just because like I've seen it before and I'm like, I, a, I know Pollard is a better running back in a vacuum than Zeke, but B like Zeke is part of the Cowboys brand and Jerry Jones loves him. And like, it doesn't matter if we think Pollard is better than Zeke, they're still going to ride him and utilize him in that role unless something happens to Zeke. And so I wouldn't say I was off Pollard this year. I just didn't draft as much as I, I normally could because it just, it's exhausting trying to continuously like pound something that, just it feels like it, it's a dead end unless a scenario like this happens. It was like converging ADPs too, where you had yeah. Pollard was like a sixth or seventh rounder, mm-hmm. and Zeke was you know a fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, it was def, definitely difficult to invest in Pollard, but you know I I did grab him a couple places when, yeah. when he fell to the seventh, and I'm yeah, I too. I'm definitely I'm firing him up. I'm ha- I'm happy about it, and I'm expecting a lot. Another running back that you're high on, uh, one of your guys is Eno Benjamin. Oh yeah. Uh, Dalton's an Arizona guy and an Arizona state guy. Uh, Eno looked great last week. I mean, looked really, he had the elite yeah. usage for two weeks in a row. He had elite usage. Um, it didn't happen two weeks ago, but last week he was fantastic. Do you think that he can hold on to the RB one job in Arizona or at least be the back to roster? Even when Connor comes back? No, I want it to be. But yeah. I, I, I just don't think so. Um, I think he's definitely earned more of a role there. And we could see a split similar to what we saw with like Chase Edmonds and James Conner last year. But they invested a lot in Conner. He's still their workhorse. Um, I, I just – I don't think we've seen enough from, you know, Benjamin. I personally – like, if I run in the Cardinals, yes. Like, I mean, I'd almost – I think you make an argument Kante Egram deserves a lot of more time too. Um Deontay there, looked great. I'm glad you he said that. Amazing. Deontay like, he looked really good. Like I would, I mean, just I'm not saying that they that they're both better than James Conner, but they both like look like they have more juice. They both looked really good and better than James Conner has in his time this year. Um 
So like the Arizona Cardinals, if you if you went with Benjamin and Ingram instead of having Connor or Darrell Williams in the mix at all, yeah. Like we don't know how long those guys could hold up. But like yeah. you said, they both had juice. They they're both younger backs. I mean, to me, it looked it looked very good. Keontae could have scored twice. So yeah. uh it's definitely an interesting one. Another running back who we're not we don't really have to question is Ken Walker. I'm going to ask you two questions. Is he a top five dynasty back for you right now? Um, yes, but like not in the traditional sense of how I would value a top five running back. And I think it says more to the landscape of running backs than it does. I mean, I love Walker. He's, a, he's an amazing talent, but he fits more in like the Nick Chubb role of a fantasy asset than he does like a Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey type young running back asset. Like, he just doesn't he doesn't get involved in the receiving game enough. And I think that's the concern where we're next year when we're looking at the running back landscape and we're looking at all these rookie running backs coming out, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, um, Zach Evans, all these guys. I think I'll probably have those guys ahead of Walker pushing him outside of the top five once we get that talent in there. Because I think that's the biggest difference is a we know Walker is going to be a freaking stud, man. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be one of the best, like pure running backs in the NFL in his prime. I think we've seen enough from him. We saw his profile coming out like, dude, he's got the juice, man. He's he's amazing. But when it comes to fantasy upside and having somebody who can be this massive league winner and this massive edge for you on a week-to-week basis, I'm not sure if he possesses that unless he gets utilized more in the receiving game. We didn't see it from him in college. So far, he's not being utilized that way in Seattle. And I think those are my biggest concerns right now with ranking him. He is a top five because he just has to be because of everything else. But he's not going to be a top five Dynasty running back for me next year once we get all these rookies in. Yeah, that it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm a I'm very bullish on him, um, and I do think that there's a chance that they target him a little bit more with the DK injury. That's fair. Um, but that's just that's just speculation. Yeah. Um, and then you make an interesting point. I think that if you look at like running back scoring, it's really hard not to have Walker very high up because a lot of the running backs who are scoring this year are older backs mm-hmm. or guys who have had a lot of yeah. uh, carries in their career. So yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely one that's flashed this year. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Traylon Burks? He comes off of the injured reserve uh, in just a few weeks now. Do you think that he can salvage uh, this rookie season? I mean, it's Tennessee could, could really use a playmaker. Robert Woods, uh, you know, his production has gone down. They really don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, from I the big so, man, dude, he's a really good player. He's a really good player, man. Um, but I think I think these injury concerns, like we always see it, man. It's so tough for rookies to come back off injuries and perform well. Like Odell's kind of this this flash in the pan, where like came off the injury and just balled out and had one of the best rookie seasons ever. Um, but I don't know. It t- it tends to be more of a hamper on rookies and this is something i actually like i think it'd be a really cool study and something that i wanted to look at is like looking at like top wide receiver prospects like like first or second round guys if they get injured in camp and like miss time or injured during the season and like how does the rest of their career unveil and my original thought is that it actually has a pretty big detriment on the career for some reason. Like I remember like Nikhil Harry, right? Nikhil Harry, the same thing where we loved him as a prospect and he may not have actually like ended up being a good wide receiver, but he did miss a lot of time in his rookie season. I'm and by no ways am I saying Traylon Burks is going to go down that road. I'm just saying like in the back of my head, there's this thought of thinking like, okay, like 
he's already missed half of his rookie year. Like he's still, we have like a couple of games of getting targeted on a great per out basis. Um, we still have questions about the offense as a whole. And then B, when he comes back, is he going to get integrated right back into the role? I'm still optimistic. I think Traylon Burks has everything that we're looking for in that. But in the back of my head now, there is this question is, has he already had a lost rookie season? And what does that mean if he has a lost rookie season, right? And how do we value him heading into his second year? And we saw injuries in camp too. We saw conditioning issues. Like, is this something that might linger with his body type? Like there was some knee issues coming out with Traylon. I think he had something back in high school. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but there was some sort of injury related stuff there. So it is something that that has entered the back of my mind more than it did at the beginning of the season with Traylon that um, is making me a little cautious. But overall, I'm pretty bullish and optimistic that Burks, given playing time, can get targeted, can be a stud in all facets of, of the game for the Titans and be the guy they need to, to really uplift that offense, to be honest. Yeah, losing losing time and losing reps for for these young guys, it seems to to really hurt them. That would be something that maybe uh, maybe Ben wants to to dive in. That would be like a, a good a good uh, you know a stealing signals like ten pages on on this. Right. I, I would read that for sure. Um, we had a massive trade last week. Christian McCaffrey was traded to San Francisco. Uh, the first game, you know, he he definitely flashed the there was a very short amount of time between getting traded and playing. So I think we're going to see some, so a lot of different use this week. What is your thoughts on how the San Francisco offense is going to look in week two of the Christian McCaffrey era? Maybe you could touch on McCaffrey and then a couple of the uh, other offensive skill position players. Yeah. I think this offense is going to run through McCaffrey. I don't think you trade for him. Um, without doing that. I mean, they already utilized him a little bit. Debo Samuel hasn't practiced in, I mean, didn't practice today either. So um, it looks like he's potentially trending out. Um, I think, I think when my, my original thought was Ayuk is probably going to be the guy that is least affected by this. And it's because of where he runs his routes, the way they utilize him. Whereas McCaffrey getting a lot of these shorter routes, like may affect Kittle a little more especially Debo definitely like I think takes the biggest hit because how much now are you using Debo as a running back? Like they're almost like the way they use Debo like at the end of last year, like feels like almost like how they're going to utilize McCaffrey. And it's like, are you using Debo downfield more? He's not as good of as a downfield runner. Like he's, he's great just getting him, you know, a catch, you know, a couple yards down the field and letting him do a lot after the catch. Right. But that's also where McCaffrey's going to run a lot of the routes. It's short, like, you know, three, four, five yards, little slants, little dump offs to the side, little screen passes. Um, so there's this weird overlap now that comes with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. So I'm definitely concerned about Debo's uh, value. I think overall as a whole, this offense is going to get better. So naturally the touchdown equity for all players involved, they're better. So I think Kittle, Ayuk are probably pretty neutral. McCaffrey obviously has a big bump. And then I think Debo is probably the one that takes a hit here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I thought Sean Siegel had a really good take on this, um, where the the cre it's it seems like there's always a uh, Kyle Shanahan uses his creative juices on like one player at a time. So you yeah. had like the George Kittle for all that time where you were seeing him used in amazing ways, and he's breaking off all these incredible yak numbers. Then you had Brandon Ayuk rookie season where he just smashed, looked yeah. like he was going to be a wide receiver one for life, and then Debo. And now you're going to see Christian McCaffrey get these very interesting 
you know, yeah. looks, get him out in space. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Debo one is interesting, though. He's only had one uh, one seat, one week this year where he was higher than, like, wide receiver 15. So, like, he's just not doing it this year, and now he's injured. So I think that the Ayuk, um, Ayuk stats could go up. Uh, this Rams game is is definitely a, a very tilting one uh, yeah. for, for these guys. They, they really need a win, um, and they they really need to look good because that Kansas City one was just like it was like a yeah. gut punch, a complete gut punch. So mm-hmm. well, let's quickly we're going to get you out of here in just a few. Let's talk about the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to throw out a player. You tell me where you would like to see them traded. Kareem Hunt. Um, I would like to see him on the Rams. Rams, yeah, I would love that one. Uh, up until today, I would have said the Chiefs as like a like a long shot, yeah, reuniting him there. Um, but yeah, the Rams would be awesome. I'd love to see Kareem Hunt there. I, I think if he if he landed in Los Angeles, he would be like a borderline RB one for me rest of the season, just because yeah. I think McVay would utilize him properly. I like that Chiefs uh, one though; that's kind of nice. Chiefs one would have been it would have been awesome. Uh, Brandon Cooks. We can take the Chiefs off the list for Brandon Cooks now because of the Tony trade as well. Chargers. Chargers. That that makes a ton of sense because you get yeah. the Mike Williams injury and and Keenan Allen struggling to get on the field. Um, with with Cooks, I, I was going to say the Packers because yeah, I'd yeah. like to see. Yeah, I think he would do very well there. But I think that fantasy wise, Chargers might be even even be better for his fantasy production than uh, than Green Bay would be. Perfect uh, skills for Herbert too. DJ Moore. I would love to see him get traded. Um, man, I, I had the Chiefs for this, and then you said he was right? And I was like, this is like I want every single wide receiver in the Chiefs, and then Tony gets traded right after. Um, I'm going to say I still think the Chiefs, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to st- stick with the Chiefs. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a lot more unlikely it happens now, but I think – the Chiefs are like the golden spot for somebody like DJ Moore and his talent to be just, just to boost him and just the stratosphere. Just send him to the stratosphere. Unlock. DJ you know what? I'll stick. I'll stick with the Chiefs too, just because how great would that be that during the bye week they add DJ Moore and Kadarius Tony? Right. Um, just, it would be. It would be simply incredible. Uh, Jerry Judy. Um, his skill set fits. I think actually the Cardinals. I would love to see him on the Cardinals. I uh. I don't know what's going on with Rondale, man. Like, I, I have no idea. They're using him out wide now. They're not even putting him in the it's slot. Awful. Like, it's just awful. And uh, Dorch gets Brown. the Rondale touchdown. Everybody that started Rondell, when Dorch got that touchdown, that should have gone to Rondell. Rondell should have been in the slot. That should have been his touchdown. Dude, I don't get it, man. I, I don't get it half the time. Um, yeah, I like Jerry Jude. I think, I think that's what Kyler. Kind of, he just needs as many weapons as possible. Somebody who can like just be open, and I think that's one thing he does really well. Like he has a lot of trust with Hopkins, and I'm not sure Marquise gets as open as much separation, but he commands targets at a high rate. Um, whereas Judy, I mean, that's a skill set. I don't know how good of a receiver he is now through three years, but I think that would be a, a fun little another weapon for Kyler there. I'll throw out Jacksonville uh, for Judy. Uh, mm-hmm. Just. I think that would be a nice landing spot. I think that the Giants are going to be involved, especially after moving Tony. They yeah. were mentioned around uh, for him. Uh, and then I'll throw out Jacecki. Yeah, Jacecki. Um, throw him on the Seahawks. 
I want to see him alongside Fant. Um, you got kind of Fant there, who's kind of a similar player, right? But I think that two tight ends, especially with um, Metcalf gone, you can do a lot of things in terms of. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Gesicki has a similar skill set to Metcalf, but he's a big-bodied, athletic freak who you can line out out wide and get him involved in different aspects. And he's somebody that like would be like a, a one-year rentals, right? So it's like if Metcalf's out for, you know, a month or so, like you can use him until the end of the year, get him into free agency. I just think you need, like Geno's played so well, you just need to like, and the Seahawks are like surprisingly like good this year. So getting Geno another weapon that can kind of do some somewhat similar things from an athletic standpoint, I think would be interesting. Uh, and quick, quick question in the chat. I, I'll go New York Giants for Giuseppe just because I yeah. think, the Bellinger uh, injury kind of opened something up for him. Um, quick question in the chat. Should I trade uh, Terry or Kirk for A.J. Brown? Yes. If you can get A.J. Brown for, for Terry McLaurin or Christian Kirk, I would trade them both for A.J. Brown. So No, I would too. I would too. Yeah, I'll go with that Brown one. Is, he's a dog, man. Okay, Dalton, you're on the spot here. Uh, yeah. Give us one prop bet or or team side that you would handle yeah. this week. Um. So I bet Ramondre Stevenson over rushing attempts or not rushing attempts, rushing yards. I want to make sure the line hasn't moved too much in it, but my thought process, he was at 62 and a half when I got it. My thought process behind it is he um, saw 11 of 14 running back carries in Damian Harris's first game back. It was a really weird game script. Um, so I'm not taking too much into the, the pure, um, pure production, but I think that was extremely encouraging seeing 77% of snaps um when Harris was back um Ramondre Stevenson's like top eight in the NFL in both breakaway run rate and yards after contact for carry um he got utilized as a workhorse during the weeks that Harris was out at like rates which we hadn't seen in like five plus years from a Bill Belichick running back like everything that Bill Belichick has said and shown us this offseason as well as the season has shown us that how much they love Ramondre Stevenson I think we've seen a changing of the guard right now whereas Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the guy over Harris and um I wouldn't be shocked if Ramondre's getting like 15 16 17 carries this week and the Jets also like I, I just don't know how many scenarios there are in which the Jets like blow out or beat the Patriots by a lot leading to this, you know, negative game script where they're forced to pass the ball. I think there's a lot of scenarios in that game in which the Patriots are either running the ball a ton or just have positive game script to where they're continuing to run the ball even more. So I think, I think there's a lot of scenarios in which there's not as low of a floor. I mean, we would probably would have said this last week about the bears too, when they got freaking blown out. But I think, I think in the, in a vacuum, there's, there's not as many, there's a there's a higher floor from Stevenson because of that and then also we have this big upside from him just because of how good of a running back he is we've seen him get touches in the backfield and they're probably just going to run the ball a ton especially if Mac Jones still like somewhat in, injured I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on in that quarterback situation but I think Ramondre yeah. is their, their guy right 77 percent of the snaps last week for Ramondre Stevenson yeah. it is uh it is Mondre season or yeah. Steven season, however you want to put it in New England. Shout out to the millennial broker, my boy Steve Player in the in the mm -hmm. chat. Wants to remind you of Will Disley. That's his boy. Uh, shout out to Jason Van Buren. Dalton, do you want Cliff Kingsbury to be the next Arizona State head coach? No, I mean, if you can recruit, sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, quick question from 1912 in the chat. He did a Gus bust for Rashad White deal. He's getting the white side. How do you guys yeah. feel? I'll start with this one. If I needed a running back the next few weeks, I'd want Gus. Um, 
But long term, I mean, I think league winner Rashad White has a better chance of being a league winner than Gus does. What do you think? Nail nail on the head right there, right? You're you're trading floor for upside, right? And I think in a lot of scenarios, Gus is gonna outscore White. But in those scenarios in which White outscores Gus, you're just gonna crush him, and it's not even gonna be close. And that's why you want White is because he has that potential to just be a league winner, be a potential top. Five ten running back end of the season. Swing for, it's a swing for the swings for the fences move for Always. for nineteen twelve. Um, Dalton, remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me at Dalton underscore Cates. Uh, my Twitter's been dead last couple of weeks just because of how depressed I've been over Elijah Moore and especially Kyle Pitts now. So um, you're hiding. You're hiding out a little bit. No, I'm just I'm literally sad and I don't know what to say. So I just like I just kind of just like troll troll myself out of everything and just try and put everything into context. But um, <laughs> I think this point, whole season just, just been it's coming been it's coming really at some bad, point. Man. Those guys are I feel confident that at some point those guys are gonna are gonna rebound big time at least on the dynasty side. So you know, oh, keep your head 100%. Up there. Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts for sure is going to. I just don't know what's going to happen this year. And I think that, I think that's the hardest part is accepting that <laughs> it's, it's probably not going to happen this year, man. Um, it's, horrible. it's absolutely horrible. Crazy, crazy. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult time. I was talking to uh, Chris Vaccaro and the DMS about how he added Harrison Bryant. He was like, like you and I, he was big on Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And he's probably going Bryant over Pitts this weekend. Yeah, which it's is crazy. Dude, it's crazy. Like, times. You can't drop him, but like, there's a lot of like middling tight ends that you're starting over Kyle Pitts. And if you had told me at the beginning of the season that this was the case from a healthy Kyle Pitts. It's insane. It's I've started Hayden Hurst over, I started Hayden Hurst over him in a I league. Was talking to, I was it, talking it, to Gretchen really about this. And I'm actually curious your uh, per, um, opinion and perspective on this because you've played a lot longer than I have. I've only played fantasy at a high stakes level for, for a few years now. But in my time playing – 1000% the most perplexing thing that I've ever seen from like a evaluation standpoint to what actually is played out and still trying to grasp my head around it. And I'm curious, like, where does this rank or like, have you seen anything that, that reminds you of this or anything that you can kind well, of, you, you know, I'll say this is I'll say that the high stakes community usually nails the elite tight ends. Yeah. When you see bus in the first round or the second round, it usually comes from the RB position. Yeah. You know, you can go back over the last few years and look at ADP and say, oh, wait, you know, we were taking Kenyon Drake at the at the one two turn in a twenty five hundred dollar draft. Like, yeah, we yeah. should have figured that out. But you rarely see a wide receiver. And I'll call Pitts a wide receiver for this, because mm -hmm. let's if you put him up against other wide receivers, you know, let alone his tight end position, mm -hmm. what he did as a 20 year old yeah. and 21 year old. And then to be valued this way in the high stakes and then then not be used is crazy. And I think that there was a lot of very, very sharp people on the pit side this summer. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I mean, you're talking about guys who have won overalls at NFFC, FFWC, FFPC. We're trying to walk away with pits no matter what. Yeah, it, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, and I really do think that a lot of it has to do with the style style of the offense. Um, Arthur Smith has not endeared himself to 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 very many uh, fantasy uh, people, no. unless you're like a you know Tyler Algier truther. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a tough putt, man. It's it's depressing, but 
we'll hold out some hope here, especially for Elijah Moore. I'm holding out some hope for yeah. this weekend. But Dalton, we're going to get you out of here. I really appreciate your time. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on the district. Um, yes. Tune in tonight. We have Dave Hubbard, one of the best high-stakes players in the country, will be joining us for Goat District Tailgate. Dalton, thanks again, bud. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Have a good one.